welcome to Finance Friday on the KenzaPod. Kenza Collective is a platform designed to inspire and support parents who work as independent contractors. We are a community of like-minded parents united in our vision that career and parenthood can exist in harmony. So whether you're thinking of taking the leap into freelancing, you're a seasoned freelancer looking to learn more about how to run your business, or you're anything in between, we welcome you. Together, let's reinvent what it means to be a working parent. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the founder of Kenza. Let's get into it. One of the biggest reasons why people feel nervous about going out on their own is because they don't fully understand how to manage the tax side of freelancing or maybe even their financials in general. They've maybe heard scary stories and they're not really sure where to turn to for help or information. And that's totally understandable. The U.S. tax laws are incredibly complex and it's very easy to feel feel overwhelmed. This is one of those areas that we really want to help provide clarity on, not just about taxes, but about your entire financial picture in general. We want you to feel informed, empowered, and educated on how this all works together, who to talk to, what questions to ask, and how to truly understand your full financial picture. So today, we have the absolute pleasure of talking to Kirsten Smith, an enrolled agent and owner of Balanced Tax Solutions, and also someone that I've known for many years and worked with very closely in the past. Kirsten has been doing taxes for over a decade and has assisted many companies with bookkeeping and the handling of business entity requirements. She is also a single mom of two young adult children and balanced employment, freelance work, and parenting for many of those years. She also specializes in taxes for freelancers, small businesses, and solopreneurs, so we thought she would be perfect to bring to the show. So today, Kirsten is going to be sharing with us some basic tax information that you should be aware of as you work to educate yourself on all of this. So, of course, we have Beth joining us as well. Hello, Beth. Hey there. Hey, Kirsten. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Beth. Hi. So, what we're going to do is, um, first, we want to hear just a little bit about Kirsten, about her personal and professional background, and kind of what she's up to now. And then Beth's going to take it away, and we're going to dive into, we've, we've outlined five of the biggest pieces of advice that Kirsten wants to share with you, but we can't promise that we won't meander around a little bit. But ultimately, we really just want to bring you a lot of really great, useful information. So Kirsten, tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, and what you're up to these days. Hi, well, thank you so much for thinking of me and for having me on your show. I think it's great that you are doing this and providing this for everybody. So my background I uh, have a bachelor's degree in sociology from UCLA. So that led me into a lot of different positions of management, uh, mostly in the fitness industry and such, until I had both kids and found myself at home and my brain was starving for um, something. So I started doing taxes, not just my own, but for friends and family, oh, you've got a rental, I want to do that. You've got a little business, I'll do that. And I would just read the instructions from the IRS. I'm really proving myself to be a geek at the moment with that information. But um, <laughs> that's what I did for my brain while I was home doing laundry and cooking and never endless cleaning. Um, so I've actually been doing taxes for 20 years. My youngest is 20. Um, 
And then about 10 years ago, I needed income. And so I, someone said, you should do this for a fee. So I did that. So I've been doing taxes and a little bit of bookkeeping and maybe balancing it out with part-time accounting jobs. Since then, kind of gaining experience with the different sizes of companies and really enjoy helping the small business, the uh, sole proprietorships, people jumping into incorporations or LLCs and helping them with their taxes and finances. So Kirsten, you, you're, you're self-taught for the most part. I really was. And that was in the day where you could just pencil in a form and the forms were actually mailed to you with a booklet. <laughs> I mean, this is so long gone. And I would read the instructions in the booklet and then get through the tax tables. And my brain was just firing. This was something that I could do and it was tangible. And for some reason, I loved doing it. It was like doing a Sudoku puzzle. I guess, um, putting the numbers in the right boxes. So that's how I got started. So just as a quick aside, has that changed at all? If we have listeners who maybe have decided that that's what they want to do as their business, has that changed dramatically since the time that you did it? Can people still sort of self-taught teach themselves how to do it? Or is there a school that people should go to if they want to become um, an enrolled agent or learn to do taxes? How does that work? Interesting. Um, one big note is it is always still free to file your taxes. When people get scared about having to pay to file their taxes, you can download. It's all online now. IRS.gov, mm -hmm. all of the instructions, all of the forms, you can download a form. You can write with a pen on it, sign it, and mail it in for free. Always. You know, that is our civil right in this country. And why we don't teach that in high school is beyond me. But becoming an enrolled agent or a CTEC, a California certified um, tax preparer, is there's online courses, there's courses through H&R Block, um, there are probably courses at um, other places that I haven't really looked into. Um, you need to be certified in California through um, at least the minimum of a CTEC to do taxes. Um, other states might not have that requirement. Federal taxes, you are not required to be anything certified. But watch out for that if you're hiring a tax person um, that they are certified and have taken some education somewhere. An enrolled agent is um, you can be an enrolled agent, a CPA, or a lawyer to be certified to do taxes for all states. Um, and an enrolled agent is somebody who has just done all their education in taxes rather than full public accounting or in law. And so it's, um, it's three big tests to become an enrolled agent, but very doable. You may have so, to have her back on for us. So you want to uh, be, yeah. There's, so, there's so much, there's so much material here. It's incredible. Oh my I'm gosh. This is taking notes for our listeners. I know. This is so helpful, Kirsten. Anyway, back to you. So Kirsten, I think you, you had some tips that you wanted to share. So let's, let's go back to you with, with all of that. Cause you're, you've got great stuff to, to share here. So the tips I can, I'll just run through the five, I made a list of five things. I'll just run through kind of what those five things are. And then I guess we can go into more in depth each one. 
Um, the first one would be uh, finding expert advice and that whether it's free or paid for and that's kind of don't be afraid to go out and seek um, the advice needed in different aspects you know just like the analogy of we all will drive a car without knowing how everything works and so we go and pay somebody to do the oil change the regular maintenance we pay somebody to fix it and we trust that they're doing the right thing so that we can go on and operate so that's a key thing to starting your own business is finding help. Two is learn about your penalties and taxes that may apply to your specific business. Go into those details later. Three is set yourself up to see what your net profit is um, rather than just running blind. Um, four is have an intention and, or set plans with your money as it comes in so when you see that net profit where is it going to go know that in your head before you just go and spend it personally and then five set money aside for paying your taxes and then you're not caught off guard so those are all great tips um can can we can we back up and and talk about for example the setting money aside for to paying your tax for paying your taxes how much should they set aside? I know Tiffany and I were using the figure 30%, 30, was it 33% Tiffany that you put aside? Yeah, that's correct. Is that, is that a good number, Kirsten? 33%? 33%. And again, we're talking about the net profit, which uh -huh. I think is a big clarifying thing for people to understand um, and getting a clear picture of what that is. So you've, you've got your gross revenue, all the money that you've brought in, and it's not 33% of that, right? You've got expenses, your office, your internet, your car, your phone, all of those things. Um, so setting yourself up to understand what your net profit is, is a key step before understanding how much to put aside. But then once you see that net profit, whether it's per month, or per quarter, then taking 33% of that is a good amount to set aside in your own savings account um, or paying into estimated taxes for yourself. It's gonna cover 15% of your net profit is gonna go towards self-employment taxes. So that's like payroll taxes, that's social security, that's your Medicare. So those are important things that we pay for for our future. Um, yeah. So knowing that ahead of time is, is taking care of you for your retirement as well. So just to clarify a little bit on the Social Security and Medicare that we that you were just talking about. So for those who are new to this, when you are an employee, so so folks who may be switching over from being an employee to being self-employed, when you work for an employer, your employer has to pay part of the Medicare and part of the Social Security, and then you, then part of it comes out of your check, right? And when you work for yourself, you have to, you're obligated because you're now both your employer and the employee, you have to send in both sides of that. Exactly. So what we see when we're an employee is that our wages are reduced by taxes that are being withheld, every single paycheck. So we're paying our taxes as we're get, as we're earning money every two weeks or every month however you get paid so when you take that jump to become self-employed 
you need to pay tax as you're earning it. And these are IRS rules that you pay tax. It's due upon earning. And so what does that look like when you're self-employed? They want you to pay into your personal income tax withholding through estimated taxes every quarter. So January through March, you're gonna look at your net profit and pay an estimated tax. That might be that 30% of your net profit. It may be different according to everything else on your tax return, which means, are you married? Do you have kids? Do you have credits and deductions in other places? That self-employment tax, however, about 15% of your net profit is all you, and there's no deductions for that one at all. Ooh. Um, so you talk about um, knowing your net profit. How do you recommend that people track this? Is there um, a software that you would recommend? Should, can people do this in a spreadsheet? Um, how, how should they keep track of this? So there's many ways, and I would say go with who you are. Um, if QuickBooks Online scares you, then don't do it. QuickBooks Online is a great tool. There's also FreshBooks, there's Zero. there's other programs out there. And those types of programs are gonna help you invoice your clients, keep track of your bills, um, but there's involvement with that kind of software. And that might be a sit down with it weekly kind of thing. But don't let that scare you from it. You can do Quicken as just a checkbook register where you're just keeping track of what comes in and what goes out. And that might be easier for somebody to use. Um, an, expel, an Excel spreadsheet um, can also be useful, but then you're plugging in all the numbers from somewhere else. Um, a very simple way of doing this is just organizing where your money is. So having one bank account that's for your business. So all the money that goes in it is income. All the money that comes out of it is expenses. Minus the transfer to yourself, which would just be what's considered an owner draw. That's not an expense on the business. And then having one credit card assigned for business expenses. Then you set yourself up with at the end of the month, you've got two statements, one bank account statement, one credit card statement. You've got your in and your out, and you can just do a simple calculation at the end of the month using your statements. I mean, this is how much money I brought in. Here's all the money that went out, you know, except for the amount that you paid for yourself, and that's your net profit for that month. So it can be as simple as just looking at your statements, which is a good practice anyway. And we've, I know Tiffany and I have talked about this before in a previous podcast, um, separating your, your personal and your business is very, very important. Episode very. number three, if you're curious. And that leads us to the point number four, which is having an intention or a set plan with your money. Mm -hmm. And so when you set that up before you're even making money, while you're making money and it starts to augment and increase, that you know that you're going to sit down on a particular day to look at that net profit. And before you put money into your personal account, you can look at how much you would need to, what is that 33% or 30% that you should put into your savings account 
is there an amount that you should pay right away to the IRS for your estimated taxes for that quarter? And do that before you put money into your personal account. And then you're taking care of all of these aspects. You're not going to be shocked at the end of the year that you owe $15,000 in taxes to the IRS. One and of the you have to that I like to do to sort of save myself is basically anytime I get a check from a client or some deposit or whatever, I just right off the bat shuffle off 30% into a savings account. And then when it comes time to, you know, reconcile that and figure out how much I owe and all that kind of stuff, then I have the money sitting there. And for some people, I think that's, that's the scary part. Like if you don't, if you're not super diligent about this and you have a surprise at the end of a quarter, that's where it gets really stressful. And I hate, I don't want that stress. So I just, and maybe this isn't the right way to do it. Um, but I just like to shuffle that off right away, no matter how much I'm actually going to owe, just so I know for peace of mind, that's not my money. And if I end up not having to owe that much, great. I can bonus myself a little bit, a little surprise money or something, but I just want to chime in on that's kind of how I save myself from myself. (laughs) I think that that's great because you're putting that money into your own savings account. You're not giving it to the government right away. And so every time you get paid, you shuffle off 30% into a savings account. And then at the end of the quarter is your day to find out what your net profit is. And then once you get your net profit and you see this is how much I should pay in taxes, maybe with the help of your expert that you've already found, you pay that off and you realize you still have money left. And you can move that into your personal account at that point. Yeah, or in have the- elsewhere in your business, or now you have a little savings fund set up or whatever. It's just like, it's a peace of mind type of thing, you know? Absolutely. And peace of mind creates confidence in what you're doing. And, and also that's, that's essentially building a reserve, which is one of those things we, we like to talk about in business. Um, when organizations have reserves, it means that when bad things happen and the wheels fall off, for example, a pandemic happens or some other big, big event, because you've put money into a reserve, you're not in, you're cushioned from some of the consequences of what happens. And that's always a smart business move too. That's true. And I'm going to go back up to point two that I made. So the one was find an expert. So maybe once a quarter, you're actually sitting with your bookkeeper, your CPA, your tax person, somebody who's helping you with that intention and plan with your money, helping you to see what your net profit is. And at that point is your kind of administrative stopping point where you can look at your penalties and your taxes. And a great resource is the Small Business Development Center that is local to counties, a lot of times associated with a college or something. Um, They give free services to small businesses and they can help instruct you within that county, within your city. Do you need a business license? Are there different types of taxes? Los Angeles City has a business tax. San Francisco has a business tax. Does your state have a transit tax? Are there different, you know, what about sales taxes in your county or state? Have that business counselor instruct you about where you are and the business that you're doing because penalties are going to come if you don't file something on time, if you don't register something. 
Um, sometimes these penalties can be $200. And more times than not, people learn about the penalty when they have to pay it. And they're asking, why does this exist? So there's resources out there that can educate you about you know, what's going to apply to you with your business and where you are. And that's important. And then when you're stopping every quarter to take a look at your calendar and your net profits, you can also stop and say, what to do? Do I need to go online and renew this license every year? Is it that time? And be on top of it. And again, when you're on top of your industry and your business, it gives you the confidence of being the expert that you want to be in what you're doing. So I, that, that's actually a question I was going to ask you. Um, what is the amount of preparation people need to do for their taxes throughout the year? And so it sounds like they should revisit quarterly and have a good feel for where they are and how they're doing. Um, when, when, they, when it comes time for them to work with you, let's say you're their tax person, what's the timing on that? When, when should a person reach out to their tax person? Let's say they haven't met with their expert quarterly, but it's now going to be tax time and you know, they, they're not on to this plan just yet. Um, what's the best time to reach out to your tax person and what's the kind of stuff you need to have available when you work with your tax person? Ooh, so somebody who's gone all year, started their business, realized they made money by the end of that calendar year in December or January, they should really be thinking about what is their net profit and how to achieve that number. So they might have questions about what kind of deductions can you take from your business? So January is a setup month for all tax preparers. We can't file anything yet because the IRS and the e-file isn't ready. So we're giving out information. That is a great time of year to ask, how do I get to this number? The last estimated tax payment for that year, for the prior year, would be January 15th. So you'd still even be in time to pay an estimated tax. If you owe tax, it is due by April 15th. This July 15th in 2020, I don't see that happening ever again. So April 15th is the day that you pay. If you extend your taxes on April 15th, it extends your filing only, not your payment. So there is a late payment penalty if you pay after April 15th, as well as interest. So get your numbers straight January, you know, start talking in January and then put together that net profit um, calculation, you know, by February and get that information along with all of your other tax documents to your tax person. So that way you can find that calculation of how much tax is owed and how much tax you either paid in or you didn't and what needs to be paid by April 15th. So if somebody, let's say, contacts you April 1st and says, can you help me with my taxes, is that too late? Um, should they, should it be more like February? I mean, like, it, it's, it's not a point for this year, but just so in case we have folks out there that really need to start planning for this. 
like, do you guys get annoyed when somebody calls you April 1st? <laughs> April 1st is actually past my deadline oh. of achieving filing by the 15th. My deadline for my business and all of my clients, they know, is more around March 20th. Uh-huh. If information comes in after March 20th, I do not guarantee that I can get theirs done by April 15th. So even though one tax return is due April 15th, I have 400 on my desk. And so they're not all going to get done. They're going to get done by the order that they came in. Do you, do you ever get boxes, shoeboxes full of receipts? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. And I chuckle every time. And I, I let them know that um, I started hiring my, I hired my daughter to compile that net profit number and doing bookkeeping. So it is time consuming to go through every single receipt. So by doing it all through one bank account, don't use cash use your ATM card, use that credit card, earn some mileage on an airline and make it all on one report so that you don't have to go through your receipts. Do you still need to keep those receipts? Absolutely. Go shove them in an envelope, go shove them in a folder, hold on to them. Don't send those to your tax person. Yes, I charge extra for going through receipts. Is there such a thing at like, would you ever be the person that reminds them about their estimated tax payments? Do you have that relationship with them or do you just sort of see them once a year? Like, let's say it's not somebody that's, that's adept enough at this to want to sit down with you every quarter, but like, is there any type of service where someone will remind them like, Hey, you know, time to send in your estimated taxes, or is that up to them to calendarize themselves? And do you have any recommendations about that? Cause you know, the other thing is when people own businesses, you know, they get really caught up in the day to day and they forget mm, about some of this. Doing. Absolutely. And so number one, it is that business owner. It is that taxpayer responsibility. It is never somebody else's responsibility to pay your tax. So please know that even if you hire somebody, it's not their responsibility to pay your tax on time. It's yours. The penalty will end up on you. That being said, I take care of my clients. And as you get going and your income and that net profit is consistent from year to year, we set up what your estimated tax payments are going to be in the current year. And I can run a report and then send out emails, you know, on the first of the month, they're usually due on the 15th of April, June, September, and January. And on the first of the month, I send out emails reminding people it's time to pay your estimated tax and they're all set up with it. That way they could reach back out if they've lost their how to pay and we can remind them how to make that payment. Tiffany, do you have any questions? I, I'm like, this is just really fascinating. And I'm sure our listeners are just, you know, learning a lot right now. Yeah, I think maybe what a good idea would be is to kind of just quickly run through the top five and see if there was anything else that Kirsten wanted to ask. I know we got a little loosey-goosey there, which I did warn you, to be fair, at the beginning of the episode, that we might <laughs> meander a bit knowing us, so... 
<laughs> I mean, how it works. <laughs> the very first one is something I'm particularly passionate about, which is find an expert for advice. There are two things as an adult now uh, that I pay for in my life. One is movers, best money you'll ever spend, someone to help you move. Um, and the second one is someone to help you with your taxes. Because like Kirsten mentioned in earlier in the episode, uh, very much unfortunately, this is not something that is traditionally taught in school is, is taxes and how to really be empowered around your taxes. And it's so unfortunate. But when you can find an expert, not only can they help actually with the mechanics of it, but you know, I've worked with Kirsten before and I, during our calls, I just have a list of questions and I pick her brain. And I was watching this, um, uh, there's this couple that my husband and I follow on YouTube who, um, they, they're part of the fire movement, financial independence, retire early. And one of the things, one of their biggest pieces of advice that they, um, they said like, it was like the top five piece of advice that if you want to be a millionaire or something was ask questions, ask a lot of questions educate yourself. If you are listening to this, you are a really smart person. You are someone who is an entrepreneur. You are someone who is taking control of your life and starting a business, even if it's just you. Um, so that means that you're smart and you can figure this out too, but you need to ask questions and you need to talk to the right people. So find the resources out there, find an expert and learn, learn about this. It's not crazy. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to throw my two cents in on that very first piece of advice because I think it's pretty much the best, the best, if you get nothing out of this, I think that would be it. Yeah. And I think that one of the biggest benefits of finding those experts is when you're setting out to do something new, you're setting out to arrange your life in a new way. There's nervousness around that. And when you go and speak with an expert, whether it's on your finances or on the legality aspects um, or, you know, the industry that you're in and learning more about that, it's giving you confidence and it's helping that nervousness to calm down to where you feel like you've got a handle on this and it's not going to run you over. And I think that that is very important. And people get scared or they have that same nervousness around the IRS and taxes and it's this big looming authority, but really it's just a matter of information and getting that information from the right person can be calming and put you in the control seat of how much is going and why and where it's going to. And that feels good. I will say too that I think a lot of people when they first are thinking about this and they they start looking around for that expert they want to talk to, you know, they there can be pretty big price tags. You know, um, when when my husband and I were researching moving out of the country, we at one point paid several experts to talk about tax law and and really start to educate ourselves on how to do this. One phone call, we paid $250 for a 30-minute call. And that was like, oh, you know, that just is like painful, 250 bucks for 30 minutes. But guess what? We learned a hell of a lot in those 30 minutes because we were prepared. We had our list of questions. We recorded the call and we got so much out of it. And we really viewed that as an investment into future us and future money savings. And so if you're just getting started and maybe you're just trying to do this on a shoestring budget and you see a $300 price tag for an hour long call, 
trust me, it's worth it. It's worth it. Just be prepared, have your questions ready and save yourself because it's going to cost you a lot more money in the long run if you're not educated. And a story to show what happens if you skip on that $250 phone call that gave you the information, say about leaving the state of California to go to a state that say doesn't have taxes. And you don't realize that leaving the house that you own, leaving your car registration in California, these things that don't seem to have any impact on your taxes or your income can come back to haunt you. Because later on, two years down the road, they say you still lived there. You were still a resident. Even though you were non-present in California, California wants to tax the income that you created from anywhere. And now you have the tax to pay, the penalty for not filing that tax return, and the interest on the tax that's now two years late. And so that $250 phone call could spare you thousands of dollars, literally. And I've seen it. I've helped people do it. And I've had to tell them that you can't get around this, you know, that you owed this tax. So it can, it definitely can spare you thousands of dollars and a lot of headache to know the information before you make your choice. So that was point number one. I think, I think that one's pretty clear. The second one, just a quick review was learn about the penalties and taxes that apply to your business. Is there anything else you wanted to share on that one? No, I think just pointing to the resource on that one. So going to your small business development center, going to the websites for both, for all things, all your city that you live in, the county and the state, they all have resources for starting a business. And they're going to go through and tell you your specifics. States that don't have income tax like Washington may have sales tax on services instead of just products being sold. So you need to know, so that's a where you are and a what you're doing question that those websites or a counselor could help you with. So you mentioned the small business development centers. Is that nationwide in the U.S.? I believe so. I believe that there are um, counselors that are funded on the state level and there's counselors for small businesses funded on county levels as well. So you may have multiple resources where you live that can help you. And they have funding for small, they're uh, funded based on their own metrics. So they might be able to provide five or 10 counseling sessions to help you through. I know they've helped people with their financial setup. Others have helped people actually launch a business and what kind of entity that they would look like and how to, you know, get into leases of buildings and things like that. So they have an array of experience and expertise to help with. Yeah. If you go to, and I'll put this in the show notes too, it's Americas and sorry for anyone who's international listening to this, you probably have dropped off by now, but um, it's Americas, plural, SBDC, Small Business Development Centers, America's SBDC.org. And they, um, they're just a, they're a nationwide network of small business development centers. On their website, it says they have nearly a thousand local centers available to provide no cost business consulting and low cost training to new and existing businesses. So that's a great resource to, to at least start with. Fantastic. Do we have any last thoughts or pieces of wisdom or quotes or 
<laughs> quips or anything else that we think would be important to share with folks who are juggling freelancing and running a household? So this part actually kind of excited me, this question, because of the potential for creative conversations um, with your village. You know, when I was doing the, those tax returns because my brain was starving, um, that was 20 years ago, and we were able to be in our house with one income. So I was doing that for free, and I'm realizing that with the way housing is now, I don't think young families can do that. They need both people working, juggling with the kids. And so creating that village of in conversation with the spouse of how do you organize your work time? Are there other people in your village who are doing the same thing, freelancing with kids that you can swap the free daycare with these people with your work schedules? So that way you're arranging your work schedules together and you've got at least three days a week that you can work on your stuff. Um, I think that in 2020, we're creating a new paradigm for the balancing of work and family. And we are not able to take for granted the care of our children like we have in the past. And to me, that's exciting because it, needed, it needs to shift. Our, our kids are valuable. Our family time is valuable and, and we need to work. And a lot of people are in this same boat. So how can we coordinate that together with others? And the interdependency is um, required because I don't, it would be very difficult to do that just on your own. So reaching out and having those conversations is um, an important factor of 2020. Yeah. And I, I love that Kirsten. I mean, you know, that I, all of that really resonates with me. It's really a lot of the heartbeat of what Kenza is really trying to do. Um, I think another great tip that parents might consider is swapping services with each other. You know, if you are a tax, you know, a tax expert and someone else, um, you know, does graphic design or something, some other service you need, maybe there's a way for you to swap services with each other and get, get, you know, tap into that freelancing network, that parenting freelancing network and help each other out is something else that you might consider looking into as well. Yeah. And that, and that's really Tiffany, why you started this, this organization, right? Kenzie yeah. Collective so that people can help each other because that's what we're realizing we really need. We've all been separated by this pandemic and we're realizing that how much we really do need to depend on one another. And yeah. so hopefully we will in the future. Yeah, that and you know the other side of this is just you know freelancing and and being your own boss and all of that it's not a new concept. Um but when I went out on my own and started just following different freelancers out there, whether it was on social media or otherwise, you know, a lot of them are obviously pre-pandemic, like traveling and doing this and that and working from a cafe in Brazil and, da, da, da. and it was like, that's cool. I I'm nursing a one-year-old, but that looks fun. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it just, it was, it was hard to like find that niched tribe of like people who love that freedom and are excited about that. And yeah, I want to travel with your kids and do all that kind of stuff. But also there's like the day-to-day -day grind of like parenting and freelancing is not easy. And so I really wanted to 
create a voice for that, for that community and create a place where what we're talking about is really geared towards that. So anyway, I don't know how we got off down this rabbit hole, but. um. Well, I really applaud you for doing that because I think that the nuclear family that we're supposed to be super moms and doing it all the time. And I want to include super dads also, because I know a lot of dads are home and doing the same thing and in the juggle too. And it does really take a village and we do really need other people. So including those experts and understanding and helping us. Is there any, are any other last pieces of advice on taxes that you want to share um, with our listeners today, Kirsten? I just think taxes are important. You know, there's a lot of disagreement and divisiveness in our country right now about where our tax money is going. Um, The self-employment tax, that 15% of your net profit is going into the Social Security and Medicare, which was one of the best tax law policies, I think, that was created in this country. Um, And it supports a lot of people, including our future selves. And so not just striving for paying the lowest taxes possible, close to none, and stretching the truth on your tax returns is not going to be beneficial for you in the long run. It's not going to be beneficial for our culture in the long run. But being prepared with your taxes in a fair way is important. Yeah. And it keeps you out of trouble too. I mean, you know, do the right thing and remember that the right thing is actually benefiting you, right? Absolutely. That, that's a great note to end on, I think. It really it? is. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Good. thank you so much, Kirsten, for being here and sharing your wisdom. Um, if you want to find Kirsten, you can find her at balancedtax.solutions. And I will include some other, um, that website, as well as her contact information and some of the other uh, links that we shared in this episode so that you can have some resources to start tapping into. And I hope that this was helpful for you. Um, If so, check out our website, kenzacollective.com. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on all of the great resources that are coming your way. Join us on Instagram at Kenza Collective and Twitter at Kenza Collective as well. I think I should say Kenza Collective one more time. I'm not sure I said it enough in that sentence. Kenza Collective. (laughs) Kenza Collective. Uh, Let us know if you have any feedback or questions. We're always happy to pivot our content calendar based on your specific needs. So hit us up. Let us know. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next time.